Okay. All right. We are on and chapter... What a chapter it was. <laughs> we are on chapter two of A Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. Um, would you would you agree that as, if I had to summarize this chapter, it would be loss of innocence if I had to do it in a sentence? Um, I would maybe add more specifically, like like uh, bodily something something about bodily innocence. Hmm. There's a lot of like the <clears throat> yeah. I mean, there, there, there's he data was like saddled with a lot of bodily impurity as as the chapter goes, or new bodily uh, impurities as the chapter goes on. That's true, but do you include, because a large part of it's his mind and his discovery of being separate from mm-hmm. his family, do you include that when you talk about the body? Or are you being more uh, literal? Well, I mean, I'm being pretty literal. Um, yeah. We'll get to it, I guess. Yeah, we'll get to it. Okay, yeah. so... Yeah. I don't know if, if, if you had any confusion in your mind when you first read this, but basically, okay, so he's back home in a place called Black Rock. Would you, would you agree with that? And, and, and he's learned that he's not going to go back to school, or as they call it, college, which right. I guess would be more like an elementary school in our, in our society. Um, but rather they're going to... everything leading up to university. Okay. Is that, is that a normal path, yeah. or is that more of a path for the rich people? Do you know? Uh, well, that, I mean, it's a, like a European, an old fashioned European thing. Uh, and so, yeah, of course it's just for the rich people, um, poor people who are not, uh, especially educated. Okay. Um, but but there's been a change of plans and this is a huge deal to young, um, Stephen and his world basically starts to crumble based on this move and they have to move to Dublin and he's not going to go back to college. Um, you know, I found it really interesting that he moved to Dublin. I mean, well, he, and he so didn't like it. He's, all of this is precipitated by some vague, undefined. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows that his father is in trouble. I think he says. Yeah. Some vague thing. He starts to recognize um, slight changes, and he 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 pieces things together, like you know the conversations he overhears and so forth. Um, yeah. Uh, words which he did not understand he said over and over to himself till he had learned them by heart yeah there's just like uh but i wonder that, that was a little bit earlier but i found it interesting that you, sorry, i just found it interesting that he moved to dublin and didn't like it automatically i think because that he moved from such a uh, uh i guess from his childhood home which he doesn't yeah, an idyllic childhood okay yeah he doesn't necessarily build it up to be perfect but I think he preferred it, the comforts of it and the everything about it, just because he was born there, which makes total sense. And uh, I wonder, do you think his resentment of Dublin comes from that in a way that... Yeah, sure. That, yeah, it definitely comes from it, but I wonder if it's, you know... I'm, in other words, it's reality that Dublin was sort of dirty and, and, and squalid and the yeah, people there... Grimy, yeah, and but I wonder if that was highlighted so hugely in his childhood mind that he had trouble getting rid of that image, you know, of how he felt for being forced to move there. I don't, I just didn't know that about him. Yeah, um, probably. Yeah. Um, anyway. I feel like we should have, or I should have reread, or at least like looked back at it. I'm not going to read all of the Counts of Monte Cristo uh, <laughs> again. 
Yeah, he's but living like in his head. I've, I've read that a long time ago. He, he's and living that, in his head a lot, and he well, reads he reads the Count of Monte Cristo, and this informs his opinion or his understanding of romance, wouldn't you say? Yeah, these kind of like fantasies of uh, Mercedes mm-hmm. and Marseille and yeah, Lyon. Yeah, and that. it's almost like a, um, it's almost like he describes his mind as being diseased and. Yeah, totally monstrous based on the way he experiences the world versus how he expects himself to because of other people. Yeah, because of, uh, yeah, I mean, in this case, uh, specifically because of fantasies induced by literature. Mm-hmm. And, and, and words. Yeah. Remember the, the thing where it's carved into the desk? And he's back with his dad yeah, in his hometown. We'll, we'll definitely get to that. We'll get to that, but the but the words of the of the books, like like I don't know. I'm anyway. Uh, there there's a line here. It says that, um, in his imagination, he lived through a long train of adventures, marvelous as those in the book itself. Toward the close of which there appeared an image of himself, grown older and sadder, uh, standing in the moonlight wow. garden with Mercedes. Who is he does uh, this, like, a heroine uh, in that? Bad renunciation. Hmm. A sad renunciation yeah, of his where, innocence. Where uh, where he says he doesn't want apples or something. I forget exactly. Again, there's the mention of American apples, and I, <laughs> I still, I need to research. The fuck is an American apple? Yeah. Do they not have real apples in Europe? They don't have apples in Ireland. They need them sent back to sent back from from here. Um, yeah, I can't find it. Um. Okay, here we go. In a vague way, he understood that his father was in trouble and that this was the reason why he himself had not been sent back to Clungo's. For some time, he had felt the slight changes in his house, and these changes in what he had deemed unchangeable were so many slight shocks to his boyish conception of the world. Yeah. There's a lot of language in here that tries to describe how one experiences ambition and sort of where you're sitting in life and you're not there yet and you're sort of stuck where you have to be especially as a as a boy because yeah. you're with your family he it's amazing how well he describes world, all that the unsubstantial image which his soul so constantly beheld he did not know where to seek it out or how but a premonition which led him on told him that the image would without any overt act of his encounter him. Mm -hmm. They would meet quietly as if they had known each other and had made their trip. Perhaps at one of the gates or in some secret place, they would be alone, surrounded by darkness and silence, and in that moment of supreme tenderness he would be transfigured. He would fade into something impalpable under her eyes, and then in a moment he would be transfigured. Weakness and and timidity and unexperience and inexperience would fall from him in that magic moment. And then, yeah, he would presumably uh, accomplish all of these ambitions. Yeah, I mean, Joyce himself was a thoroughly ambitious, um, kind of riddled with with ambition um, person. One of the words that... Uh, literary one, ambition. 
One of the words in this chapter that stuck out was riot. He had riots in his mind and riots in his soul about sin mm. and ambition and so forth. And he kept using that word yeah. uh, as we go along. But um, but yeah, it's like he knows in his he knows in his spirit that. And there's a lot of sentences about him, which is reminiscent of the first chapter of him standing apart from things and watching oh, yeah. them Jesus. and being detached and yeah. understanding that he has... I, I, I didn't even like keep track of them just because there was yeah. like, too much of that shit. <laughs> I'll, I'm sure I'll find some in a second. But, but yeah, sort of like almost almost planning out his escape, but his escape to yeah. to transfigure his experience into something, you know, into art, I guess. Um, yeah. There's a lot of, he, there's actually a bunch of uh, examples in this chapter of him writing and being becoming, yeah, becoming better and even acknowledged by others about being a good writer. Right. Um, we get the letter to E.C., or sorry, not the letter, the poem mm-hmm. about E.C., which is a... Um, yeah, that's an interesting using the initials instead of uh, earlier he had called her Eileen. Um, but yeah, then his romantic um, counterpart becomes this kind of, uh, this is like a, like a very Joycean thing where like the initials, like it becomes kind of like a stand in, almost like a, like a, like a caricature almost. Um, that might be the wrong word, but like, um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see it a lot in, in, in Finnegan's Wake with Here Comes Everybody or um, Howlett Castle and Enverins and HCE, that, the, the, the character in Finnegan's Wake. Um, yeah, here already, my point being, um, EC is kind of like this, this uh, kind of risen to this kind of like, like, like superhuman stature. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily like superhuman stature, but definitely like like some kind of idea beyond just a, 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 a simple human. And a lot of the other characters, a lot of uh, characters is the wrong word, but like a lot of the other people who show up in the novel um, are kind of just like, it's almost, it's almost like they fit a role around Stephen for a moment in time. Um, people who aren't like his mom or dad. Uh, like Heron is kind of like a stock role that will be filled by different people, that kind of like school yard counterpart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and so what I'm saying is that, yeah, the, the making, turning, uh, his, or calling his romantic counterpart EC as opposed to some real name, um, is kind of like just, just carving, carving it into like a, like a role, not so much. Mm-hmm. Like a you know specific individual person. Yeah, it's it's almost hard to explain the um, the way that he thinks because well, I mean, basically the the yeah. the the reality of literature and the reality of his life meld together, right? So the idea of Mercedes yeah. is kind of how he views uh, the the lady he's writing the poem about, wouldn't you say? Right. Okay. Yeah. And I found I found a sentence about his detachment, which is on the top of page seventy for me. Um, he chronicled with patience what he saw, detaching himself from it and tasting its mortifying mm. flavor in secret. Um, and there's a lot of lines yeah. like that. It's almost like he doesn't want to be that way, though. You know, I mean, well, yeah. Like I said, there's like I said last time, there's always like a push pull with with Joyce where. 
he wants to be isolated because he, I mean that 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 is a precondition of greatness to him. Um, he wants to be like a little bit strange and exiled. I mean, taking it just from his life, he wants to be exiled if he like buys the ticket to Europe. Right. Um, no one was like deporting him, um, but he also brings his brother and his 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 not technically wife, but his his common law wife Nora, and he brings Ireland with him. There was there was. At the end of his life, um, when he hadn't been back for a while, somebody asked him, oh, are you ever going to go back to Ireland? And he's like, did I ever fucking leave? Like, I'm surrounded by Ireland. Like, he brought it. Yeah, he brought people with him into exile. Um, so, yeah, that, 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 that is kind of a, uh, I wouldn't even say it's ambivalence. I think it's just two separate drives of his, both to be, you know, a, an exile, but also to have, you know, uh, apostles and um, yeah, just to have people around him uh, whom he was very intimate with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it's almost, he can't, he, he, he can't help but know that there's a drive within him to do something different than the people around yeah. him. Um, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I think, acknowledgement that it would be, it would be nice to uh, be able to enjoy the youth that his father had, for example, you know, um, oh, and, yeah. you know, like he doesn't understand the, 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 the boyish, uh, verve that his father and their friends have about silly stuff, you know, um, yeah. in a way, uh, in a different way, but, but yeah, so, so anyway, um, I was trying to find, there's a sentence where he talks about that, like, it was almost, it was something like the, uh, the sweetness of his isolation or the sweetness of being alone. And, uh, I can't find it. Uh, do you remember where, like, what was it near? No, um, I underlined it. So anyway, I'll, I'll probably see it soon. Okay. But yeah. Uh, speaking of his writing, he talks about like failing to write poems about Parnell after that famous Christmas dinner. Then he writes a poem uh, about his romantic counterpart, E.C., and her standing on the, or inspired by them, like her waiting for the train with them, um, and sometimes standing closer to him and sometimes further. Um, that kind of like vaguely sad poem that he writes about that. Uh, but he also, um, there's like a big thing in here about the essays, about like his weekly, I think it was Tuesday, you get the essays back. And um, yeah, the the essay was for him, the chief labor of his week and every Tuesday as he marched home from sorry, marched from home to school. He read his fates and the incidents on the way, pitting himself against some figure ahead of him, quickening his pace to outstrip it before a certain goal was reached and planting his steps scrupulously in the spaces of the patchwork or oh sorry, of the patchwork of the pathway, telling himself that he would be first and not first in the weekly essay. That's such a like I don't know how old he's supposed to be here, but like 12 or 13 year old boy thing to do that, like superstitious, like, I mean, I used to do it with like basketball. Like if I make this shot, I'm going to, uh, make the team or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what I'm being superstitious about. Um, but yeah, that's just like a 12 or 13 year old person thing to do. Kind of psyching um, yourself yeah, out. About, basically. Like, whether or not he's going to do like the best at his like, it sounds pretty mediocre college about on the weekly essay. Um, well, it's like, uh, 
We've we've spoken about his little petty ambition. We've spoken about his debt to the Jesuits, which um, is acknowledged in this chapter too, mm. based on the what the you know what the dad and mom talk about, and um, also apparently he was allowed to read whatever he wanted. You know, it says that his leisure leisure was spent uh, in the company of subversive writers, and it talks about how mm. their jives and violence Lord of speech Byron set up a ferment in his brain. Uh, and passed yeah. out of it into his crude writing. So uh, the ability to read was, you know, obviously a huge uh, a huge thing yeah, in his read, life. And uh, read untrammeled by, by, by censorousness. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that is, I think, one of the... I mean, his, his father isn't, like, unlearned, but he's not... He doesn't sound, seem, like, terribly interested. Um, okay. And his mother isn't necessarily super-lettered. Um, so that is one of the benefits of like, uh, I don't want to say like a, like an ignorant background. Um, but yeah, no one was there to like push him to, to, to read more edifying writers, um, as, as, as it would have happened at like college at, at, at the Jesuit college, um, where the Jesuits would have known all, all about, you know, Lord Byron fucking his cousin and stuff. Um, and not not let you read, or, or or only allowed you to read him in like a very like uh, constricted context or mm-hmm. something. Um, I mean, yeah, you'd probably be allowed to read Lord Byron, but it's like those pictures of from uh, from West Point, I think from West Point of kids reading Howl, the Allen Ginsberg. Have you ever seen that, like 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 cadets in uniform in a classroom all holding copies of Howl? Um, I just cannot, uh, I, I just love to imagine what the classroom discussion about <laughs> that poem was at West Point. Uh, speaking of discussions, uh, let's talk about him yeah. and Haran or Haran or however you pronounce it. You know, because it's... An I would just say Heron, because Heron. he says that it's a bird name, so right. I would pronounce it like... Right. Like the bird. There's also a Nash in here, by the way, the idler of the class. I thought yeah. that was funny. That was great. <laughs> yeah. What a great name. Um, no, but... but it's like a t- typical... He talks about Heron almost... I, I don't want to belittle the way his mind works because he's a genius, but it's almost creepy the way he analyzes it. You know, it's like... It, it, it because well, okay. So to give the background, they're having a conversation about about well, there's a play. I okay. So basically, they're at school and there's a big play, and apparently right. Stephen is a big deal at the school. Him and Heron are basically, uh, as the book says, they are virtual heads he's of the free school. Man, or he's a free man. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, you know, I guess through his intelligence, he kind of became a leader. Um, of the school and one of the things he did was i don't think he was in charge of the play but he was in charge of the gymnasium apparently uh, he he had been elected secretary, secretary to the gymnasium the okay of the school yeah and so he was in charge and or, it was they who went up to the rector together to ask for a free day or to get a fellow off right yeah that's fair contents of their leadership and he has this he calls it a a rivalry right between him and haran but it's yeah. it's mostly in his head like a kind of friendly rivalry okay a friendly rivalry but yeah. i, I, feel I like... mean heron does beat him up once so. right right he remembers back to a strange yeah. time when they argued about whether byron was a good person and they were cruel to him yeah. when he wouldn't admit that 
it was heresy to like Byron. Uh, they, they threw him against a barbed wire fence and hit him with a stick, and he refused to agree. Um, and he's, he's having this memory, he's having this memory while he's having a friendly conversation. And I guess right. to me, the creepy part was, uh, and not creepy in a way, like a serial killer way, but just in a, in a way that's a level above most people, you know, where he has a false smile, um, back yeah. at, at his friend. He's, he's, he's kind of detached. He's detached and he's thinking yeah, about what their relationship means. And he talks about how he doesn't <laughs> trust, um, he mistrusted the turbulence and doubted the sincerity of such comradeship, which seemed to him a sorry anticipation of manhood. And he talks about how the questions of honor that they raise aren't important to him. Um, and he just, he but lives, he lives in his... He doesn't care about, like, being, like, bossed around a little bit at school. Yeah, yeah, he has, he's, sort of, he's quiescent about that. Yeah, he, yeah, he's, like, walking around, like, planning, like I said, almost an escape but complying outwardly. Mm. You know, like when they talk about his essay yeah. and he, he kind of changes oh, yeah. what, what what he meant. Yeah, totally changes. <laughs> it was, so the, the line that he got called out as a heretic for was, quote, without a possibility of ever approaching nearer to God, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he amends it to without a possibility of ever reaching God, which is not heretical, I guess. I don't know much Catho theology. Um, but I guess, I guess that's a Catho point of difference. Like, I, th- I took that to um, mean you can't become God, I guess. I, you know, so he, tra- he kind of changed it yeah. to be the opposite of heresy. Whereas he was making a pretty, pretty distinctly, um, yeah, a pretty extreme point that you can't get closer to God. But right. It, it's kind of like, yeah, just, just, to, to parallel lines or something, um, which is a more interesting point. But also, I could see where that would be troubling to a Jesuit. Yeah, and he, he concedes the point in order to kind of go along to get along. But in his mind, obviously, he, yeah. he's not doing that. Um, yeah. Oh. And the class notices. And they beat him up. Yeah, I wanted to read something about him in his mind because it's 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 hard to explain because he explains everything so well. It's like you can't really I don't know I I, I find it hard to explain what Joyce is saying I mean, without yeah, reading what he that. says. You know, um, while his mind had been pursuing its intangible phantoms mm-hmm. and turning an irresolution from such pursuit, uh, the pursuits being you know I wrote down the different conflicting visions of of what mm-hmm. people are telling him to do. Um, he had heard. Then it goes. Yeah. Okay. So then it goes into talking about the constant voices of his fathers him. and his masters, and what they tell him to be. They tell him to be a good gentleman. Tell him to be a good Catholic. Yeah. And then there are other voices telling him to be manly and healthy. And then there's another voice that tells him to be patriotic. Um, and he's only happy when he's far away from these voices. <laughs> and it was the yeah. din of all these hollow sounding voices that made him halt irresolutely in the pursuit of phantoms. He gave them ear only for a time, but was happy only when he was far from them, beyond their call, alone or in the company of phantasmal comrades. Yeah, I had that line underlined also. So that was important. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's extreme in, in the way that he's ex- explaining mm-hmm. himself to us, you know? Yeah. 
there's a there's a line here where I, it was so well written. I underlined it. Where uh, it's I'm on page ninety one here for this line. It says, "Pride and hope, and desire, like crushed herbs in his heart, sent up vapors of maddening incense mm. before the eyes of his mind." Because um, he ran into his family, out yeah, and he got he got mad because yeah. he's he kind of wants to. Well, he's a moody guy, and he's he's trying to you know yeah, that's figure one of himself the out. Words of this chapter is moody moodiness, yeah. And he doesn't yeah. again. It's 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 not like a choice, you know. So he's sitting there being this person who has something to express, and um, he was walking away because he felt such a I think you know like such an energy from having done the play. And, he was, and also, um, he couldn't find EC after the play, right? Um, probably so. Like, she she had supposedly come, or yeah, she had come with her father, and then, yeah, he couldn't find her. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so anyway, but he, but he goes on a walk and calms himself down, and, uh, yeah, calms himself down by going to like the by, <laughs> by breathing in of, horse piss and like, rotted straw. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That was a great line. But he's also like thinking in a weird way. He's like, mm, "Yes, this will calm my heart." Yep. Smelling this fecal matter, calm me. Um. <laughs> And you know, as we as we as we cascade to the end of the chapter, and then the next part when they go back to Cork, where I guess the, his father grew mm-hmm. up, I got I wrote down that I got a sense of I got a sense of life changing really fast. You know, for example, Uncle Charles yeah. Uncle Charles is dead, and um, without an announcement, yeah, we just talk about him being dead. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like the only dead person I remember is Uncle Charles. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and then I guess, is that the reason they go back to Cork, his hometown, the father's hometown? Is it related to the death of Char- Uncle Charles? Do you think when they sell the house? Uh, it's probably not unrelated, but yeah, I, I, I thought of it more as probably related to his father's money problem. Okay, why they would have to sell those properties, or maybe like his, his uncle dying, like took his share too low, and he had to sell. I don't know. Uh, Irish land laws in the 19th century were pretty uh, fucked up. Mm. Pretty just like convoluted and stuff, I assume. Speaking of loss of innocence, there's a line on page 92. As the train steamed out of the station, he recalled his childish wonders of years before. Mm. He felt no wonder now. Yeah. Pretty abject. You know, and like... We're about to get to the fetus incident. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. I was just looking around the page you were talking about. We're about to get to the fetus incident and to the literal loss of bodily innocence, um, which, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's inevitable that that is a huge catalyst for anybody, right, from from their boyish yeah. wonder years. Um, I mean, assuming that you start with an innocence. So it's 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 an easy it's it's good you know I don't know I, I don't know what I'm trying to say but I, I guess it's a really it's a really interesting chapter to relate to I guess at least as a as a person who went from a boy to a man and um, it gives language to uh, to a lot of things that I think a lot of people feel as they grow up. Um, anyway, that goes without saying. He, so he's on this he's on this he's on this uh, journey with his father. 
And what do you think about the father? Let's talk about him, I guess, for a minute. Um, do you, well, do you, yeah, I mean, there's a kind of drunken vitality to his father. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he is also kind of embarrassing. So but, like, with, you know, his, his, his shaky handed mornings. And, you know, I got uh, confused, though, because that later that intimacy with Firefly. Later on, they, he talks about uh, Stephen talks about his brother, mother and sister. And he he talks yeah. about how they feel like foster parents, foster children and brothers. But they, he leaves out his yeah. father. So almost like he's close to his father. But then this passage in in, in and uh narrative of yeah, going like a to moment court. of rivalry yeah yeah almost yeah like definitely rivalry drunk, and he's like saying i'm better than i'm him. better than my I son i can outrun him <laughs> yeah. yeah like that's probably not true and steven talks about how he Hold feels on, he feels better than them he 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 says um an yeah. abyss of fortune or temperament sundered him from them his mind seemed older than theirs yeah uh um, I took, I took the, I took the not mentioning his father as like, uh, the opposite as like, his father isn't even in the house in his imagination anymore. Uh. Um, he's so far any, he, I mean, he's, he's unpropertied by now. Okay. Um, he's, he's kind of like a, uh, you know, socially a failure, but also, yeah, um, kind of like a non-entity almost. I mean, obviously an entity because he spends a lot of this chapter with his father. Um, but yeah, I, I took it. I took it the other extreme. Okay, I, I just couldn't tell. I guess I couldn't tell if he was in, if he was enjoying it. I know he wasn't enjoying it in it, like like having like a birthday party fun type type situation, but yeah. almost like no choice but to um, to be the son of his father. You know, so almost almost like trying to yeah. understand what it means. Um, but not, but not, but not, I guess not um, dismissing it. I don't know. I couldn't tell necessarily. I, I probably need to reread it. Um, um, but yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know if those are necessarily categories that he would necessarily, that, that Stephen Daedalus or James Royce would, would worry too much about. Well, because he doesn't, he doesn't denounce the lifestyle of, of someone who, uh, who enjoys drinking and hanging out, right? I mean, that's not something he... Yeah. I'm talking about Joyce. He he doesn't sit there and yeah. judge that, right? But, you know, to what... To, so what is he trying to say about his father? You know, what that's to what extent... What, to what extent does he resent him for not... For example, he talks about his mother for not giving his mother good clothes. I mean, is that a lot of what, he, what the mm. situation is? Um, well, yeah, he's definitely trying to, like, uh, overcome his father. That's That's an important moment in the hero's journey, Qua Campbell. Um, uh, you talk about like him not giving or his father, not giving his mother nice clothes. But then like the first thing he thinks when he, when Steven wins a decent amount of money for like some uh, essay award contest, uh, one of the first things he thinks to do with the money is to buy his mom a new shawl. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's pretty directly like, uh, he's, he's trying to surpass the father. Okay, and so maybe that's um, maybe that's what I missed because you go from the, the the trip to to Cork into when he wins the essay mm -hmm. prize and he starts spending the money and he thinks about his mother and sister and everybody, and um, yeah, the father does seem absent from that that discussion and that thinking and the spending. 
Right. He probably literally wasn't though, right? But but maybe that's what I missed because um yeah, trying to escape the the fact that his father Well and and was notice that like as part of that he like comes up he like tries to reorganize the household and stuff. He's like very much taking on a like uh trying to be head of household. Yeah, totally like a weird like pantomime fifteen year old person way. <sighs> And yeah, and it's really sad how ineffectual it is and how, how this affects him. You know, yeah. he realizes how useless Peter's it was. Page one oh four. I c I don't even I don't even think I could read that paragraph and um <laughs> like do it justice. It's so yeah, it's, it's so well written, rough. but uh yeah, it's really rough. It's basically he tried to create order in a situation mm-hmm. that, where he felt inevitably I think, you know, that he didn't belong, right? And he wanted to create a situation, or, or, or he wanted to try to. It's just like a create relationships urge, uh, and be normal. Something about, yeah, exactly. He saw too clearly yeah, his own like futile a isolation with his family. Mm. Right. Yeah. So he yeah. burned to appease the fierce longings of his heart, before which everything else was idle and alien. And then we, we descend into the sin. Yeah. Um, he goes to Night Town. There's a, there's a line he bore cynically with the shameful details of his secret riots in which he exalted to defile with patience whatever image had attracted his eyes. The secret riots, you know. Yeah. Um. Keeps talking um, about the riots. Nocturnal. Like, uh, <clears throat> fantasy is probably fallacious. It's, it's it's interesting. Such a you know, famously experimental work and uh, such a such a you know freedom asserting writer like James Joyce. Um, but that's still kind of hidden in in euphemism and illusion. Um, what exactly? I mean, yeah, he talks about like you know nocturnal. Uh, fantasies, his, his pers- little personal orgies, but um, that's as close as we get to like a specific, like putting our finger on exactly what he's doing, um, exactly what he's imagining. Uh, only the morning paints him with its dim memory of dark orgiastic riot, its keen and humiliating sense of transgression. Um, but yeah, so we talk about the transgression, but. Uh, yeah, it's 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 it, it, it's euphemistic, I guess. Um, in a way, it's still so abstract. I mean, for, for one thing, he is trying to get around the censors, but also, um, it's still so like abstract for like a fourteen-year-old or fifty or <laughs> most fourteen-year-olds or fifteen-year-olds. Um, certainly, one who's still so like uh, bundled up in the repressions of the Catholic Church, um, as we'll see. Uh, as we've seen, but also as we'll see. Um, and so, so, so yeah, I, I think for one thing that is like a, a, yeah, practical tactic to get around censors, but also, um, is kind of, uh, I think, uh, there's a felicity in, 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 in that description, um, in, in a felicity in the lack of description, um, because, uh, yeah, there's the urging for a 14 year older, necessarily pretty vague yeah he so he starts he he starts uh i guess for him feel like another another 
uh, word that is what's the word we use? The uh, what do we call the like, words? Like a resonant word? Do you mean? I don't remember what we call them, but anyway, the words that mean a lot in the resonant. In, resonant. Yes, there you go. Sorry, resonant words. Yeah. Uh, he returned to his wondering. So. He talks about wondering in his mind, and then he takes it into the street, and he literally does wonder. Um, he wandered into a maze of narrow and dirty streets. Ooh. She finds out his night town. He, he wandered up and down the dark, <laughs> slimy street. So, um, yeah, eventually he gets, you know, picked up by a prostitute. And there's, <laughs> there's a funny thing where he goes into her room. Uh her room was warm and lightsome. A huge doll sat with her legs apart in a copious easy chair beside her bed. That made me laugh out loud. I wrote LOL. Um, that just, uh, yeah, uh, made me laugh. And then there's like a weird thing when she like tries to kiss him and he, he like can't look down and eventually. Okay, so for me, this is the penultimate paragraph. Give me a kiss, she said. His lips would not bend to kiss her. He wanted to be held firmly in her arms, to be caressed slowly, slowly, slowly. In her arms, he felt that he had suddenly become strong and fearless and sure of himself. Mm -hmm. But his lips would not bend to kiss her. There's like, I mean, (laughs) that's so like motherish. um, Yeah. There's, you know, uh, that that, that is like overtly motherish. Um, Or yeah, what is, 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 Urgings are transforming this prostitute into like a, a motherly figure. Um, sometimes you just can't let Freud keep getting away with this shit and like making it that explicit. Um, yeah. Uh, and then eventually, yeah, with a sudden movement, she bowed his head and joined her lips to his and he read the meanings of her movement in her frank uplifted, uplifted eyes. It was, too much for him. He closed his eyes, surrendering himself to her body and mind, conscious of nothing in the world but the dark pressure of her softly parting lips. They pressed upon his brain as upon his lips, as though they were the vehicle of a vague speech. Again, vague. And between them, he felt an unknown and timid pleasure. Or, sorry, pressure. <laughs> uh, an unknown and timid pressure, darker than the spoon of sin, softer than the sound, or, or softer than sound or odor. Um, and so yeah, the we, we we end just with like a French kiss, like uh, a ling as, as Elman put it, a lingual kiss. Um, which uh, I mean, we can assume that is not where the night ended. <laughs> I mean, what are you? Um, but yeah, like I was saying, the 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 kind of uh, illusions of the narrative. Um, in this case, we're also setting, I mean, all of the things I said before about, you know, vague teenage longings. Um, but also here, keep in mind that, yeah, they, they, they're like, we, we just got a, like a narrated kiss. That's the ending image of this, of this chapter because that's important. The end of the next chapter, he receives, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll just spoil it. He receives the host on his tongue at the end of the chapter. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, that those images are very, like, one on top of the other, one juxtaposed to the other. Um, so, yeah, that's another reason why we're just told about them. Well, and you know what it achieves. You know what it achieves, too, obviously, which, again, goes without saying because it's a great work of... Um, 
of writing, but it achieves, uh, there's no cliches at all in this book, I don't think, I mean, so far. Um, so you would think a, a boy going to a prostitute, it would be difficult to write that without a lot of obvious words, a lot of obvious, uh, you know, descriptions. Bard phrasing. Yeah, so it, it's just sort of a, it's sort of a dream it's just so perfect. It's yeah. like, like you said, he's it, not it's, even sure that he's in night town. Somebody just comes up to him and good night, Willie dear. Yeah. So I'm going to read a, a calling couple, him by, you know, I want to read a, a couple of other lines from that section, but before the ending, um, yeah, sure. a cry, this is page one of six, a cry for an iniquitous abandonment, a cry, which was but the echo of an obscene scrawl, which he had read on the oozing wall of a urinal. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then, so he sees the prostitutes. I guess he kind of gets to a section of town where it's sort of more seamy than, than where he's used to. Uh, and he sees he sees the groups of people. And he the says, Before the doors and in the lighted halls, uh, groups were gathered, arrayed as for some rite. He was in another world. Mm-hmm. He had awakened from, sl- from a slumber of centuries. Uh, so then, uh, previous to that on 106, he moaned to himself like some baffled, prowling beast. He wanted to sin with another of his kind, to force another being to sin with him and to exalt with her in, um, in sin. Yeah. That kind of, kind of, uh, creation through, or yeah, Do yeah, you think... kind of transcendent through transgression. Uh, going, do you think I want to read something that that's right at the end of the section where he's with his dad and and uh, coming back from from uh, the hometown, and he says he's re- he, he he repeats to himself lines of of, of Shelley, okay, and he's again talking mm-hmm. about wandering, companionless, and feeling separate from his dad and his friends and everything. And there's a line that's hard to understand this, really, uh, where it says, It's alternation of sad human ineffectualness. Talking about, I guess, the poem. With vast... Yeah, yeah, read the poem first. Okay, read the, okay. the line. Art thou... Okay, so he, like I said, he feels separate from his dad and, and their friends. Um, and here's the poem. Art thou pale for weariness of climbing heaven and gazing on the earth, wandering companionless? And he repeats this to himself uh, by Shelley. Yeah. It's alternation of sad human ineffectualness with vast inhuman cycles of activity chilled him, and he forgot his own human and ineffectual grieving. Um, yeah. So almost like, you know, it, it, in the first chapter, he starts to uh, question, you know, when they're talking about the priests and everything, he starts to question what he knows about what he's been taught about religion and God. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, he, he's... Then. He's becoming more and more isolated within himself from his family and everything and from his friends at school. And I think, you know, he's noticing how ineffectual it is to, to try or to do anything, really, you know. Um, but yet there's... Generally for his father. But there's inhuman cycles of activity <laughs> that people do anyway. Oh, so I don't know. I, don't, I see his connection between that and his decision to go wandering and then try to find sin in wanting oh, yeah. to, to make people do it, you know, you know, just it's like just some kind of like vast wanting to transgress, you know, wanting to uh, do something forces from that cosmic reality that we are, uh, yeah, just, just uh, participating in not necessarily, you know, uh, even terribly important. In. Mm-hmm. 
or terribly effectual and human ineffectualness is badness. Yeah, it, it it's weird to uh, just talking about the book in general. It's weird to me how modern the writing feels. Do you agree with that, or does that make sense? Or it doesn't feel like something written that uh, long ago to me. I mean, obviously the details. Well, it's not that surprising given how how like how many people were cribbing from him. Hmm. Maybe that's it. But, but what, what 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 felt more modern to you? No, I, you just mean like the, the style. Yeah, no sentence feels out of place at all. I wouldn't. It's amazing how polished it is, but it doesn't feel polished when you read it. You know, it just feels natural mm. and right. Um, I don't know. I I don't know when you read when you read books yeah, there's, there's, from a while ago, you expect it to feel dated. You know, I don't. I'm not saying that's bad. Either like a kind of like self-awareness about style or lack of like self-awareness about style that I think for Joyce he's just like so meticulous that it kind of fades you don't notice it maybe because he's you know kind of roughed away sanded away all the edges I don't know yeah you know even in the short stories that we read in the Dubliners you know as it progressed it changed, but a lot of the a lot of the setup and stuff was very. I don't know if you'd call it traditional, but it felt like you were being told a story, you know. Um, oh yeah. Whereas you mean the shift from, uh, yeah, I mean the 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 narrators of those stories are generally not James Joyce. Mm-hmm. Uh, or are generally not the narratives. The, the 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 main characters aren't necessarily James Joyce. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, here that kind of unity of you mean like it's like we're is not even he's not we're not even pretending he's not <laughs> James Joyce at any point. So the fact that <laughs> so, it's know, a direct no line, the fact that it's a direct line to James Joyce's brain makes it yeah it's feel auto fiction. Like, okay. Makes it feel more real, more bare. It's almost like a journal, but a, p- a perfect journal, I guess. Oh, well, that remember that you said that. Uh, just remember that you said that. I, I'm spoiling. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Be, it just turns into a journal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm being mysterious about that? No, the like last pages are just just directly his journal. Okay. So yeah, interesting that you said that. There's no like uh no no fourth there's no 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 like uh there is a fourth wall, but yeah, there's there's no maintenance of the fourth wall anymore. Mm. No maintenance of the fourth wall meaning there's no uh oh you mean at that point. It's okay. just in okay. the journal. Okay. Yeah. At that yeah. Um All right, let me see. I made some notes. I wanna double check if I missed Whereas in Dubliners there is definitely a fourth wall, generally. Yeah. Even when stories were like more personal-ish or like inspired by fantasies he'd, or like nightmares he'd had about his own future. Oh, okay, I'm gonna go back to '98. I wanna I wanna read that line about the monstrous. I don't know if you read that. I just found that so striking that he that he viewed him himself as so separate to, as to be monstrous. Uh, quote by his, page '98 by his monstrous monstrous way of life. He seemed to have put himself beyond the limits of reality. 
Nothing moved him or spoke to him from the real world unless he heard it in an echo of the infuriated cries within him. Again, it's just, it's impossible, I think, to express it as well. There's as nothing that. else to ask, okay? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I, you know, I think, I think any, any creative person can relate to a degree, okay, but to, you know, to, to that extent, I mean, you know, he's, he's a part, he's, he's, the portrait of the artist is a young man, uh, so, I don't know, like, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's something you can relate to in a way, but it's hard to get there all the way, you know, that's just, Mm. A normal creative person. <laughs> it was interesting reading this as my when I because I mean I read it when I was either fourteen or fifteen I don't remember. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was like a, a little bit harder to have any kind of distance on being fourteen or fifteen. <laughs> but you would have um, had you would have had more of and, you would have had more of a cat. Well, I don't know if you were conscious of that, but more of a chasm between your. Um, achieving your gifts or being you know polishing your ability to mm. to 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 go somewhere with your gifts as a writer or um yeah i guess i guess it's just like all hypothetical ambition at that point mm-hmm. I, yeah i wasn't really yeah which it is in chapter like, two like literal or like specific ambitions you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to explain america to america <laughs> you don't want to go somewhere exile yourself yeah. And write a great. Yeah, I wasn't too. keeping up uh, <laughs> my my, my common law wife. There, there's stories of like him going home after like going to the cafe and like waking up his wife and trying to recite all of his ambitions, which he's probably recited many times to her before. Um, oh wow! All the things he was gonna do, all the things he's gonna accomplish. Um, and she's just like not necessarily being into it as you maybe could imagine. Like, yeah, I know James, I know Jim. Um, yeah. <laughs> that is, That's interesting. Uh, it's hard to be as, as, as nakedly, or maybe not nakedly because that has like a implication of, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to be as ambitious as, as, as choice. 